All right. Um, I'm ready. Yeah, I'm good. I'm ready. Say something funny. Something funny? No? No takers? <laughs> there we go. All right. I knew if I waited long enough. That's enough of a start. I had some brief, some brief follow-up on uh, Octane ratings. Um, I, I learned more than I, than I wanted to about Octane ratings because I got stuck on Wikipedia. But we mentioned... <laughs> Um, John, you had mentioned uh, last episode or the one before, I forget which, about why you like Honda so much. And, and one of the things that we talked about briefly was that, uh, that you know, Honda ha- has kept to maintaining the uh, requirement for minimum like 87 octane gas, and where, whereas a lot of higher end cars will require premium uh, for their higher compression. And uh, we got a, a few notes on this. One thing I found inter- interesting was at first I, I started hearing about how how uh, the octane ratings in Europe were way higher that like and, and Australia I think too that we heard that 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 like regular there was like ninety one octane and and you could get up to like ninety five and at first I assumed that this was um, just the U S having crappier standards than everybody else which is a fairly common thing. Um, but, but one thing that, that I later learned with Wikipedia research is that octane ratings are measured differently depending on where you are. And uh, the U.S.'s method uh, is the AK, AKI, uh, and then some other people use like the M something and the R something, Ron and Mon, I think. Anyway, if you look on the Wikipedia page for octane, it explains all of this. And so uh, you can't directly compare uh, two random numbers you hear from different countries necessarily because they might be on different scales. Um, and I, it sh- it's worth pointing out, uh, in case anyone in our audience um, does not know this yet, it is a very, very common misconception that you should use higher octane-rated fuel than what your car calls for because that will somehow lead to a higher economy or a better performance of your engine. Neither of those are true, and uh, you should definitely... Uh, not waste your money getting higher octane than what your car calls for. Although the opposite is sometimes true. Uh, There was a piece of follow-up that I don't have in front of me in which uh, somebody had said something along the lines of, hey, you know, I don't think you need to use 91 or 93 or whatever octane that I typically put in my car. And so I went digging through the owner's manual because I'm a nerd like that. and, And I don't have that in front of me either because we are the worst prepared hosts ever, or I am anyway. But Take a in, bow, the own- everyone. In, in the owner's manual, it said something to the effect of, hey, we really, really, really recommend premium, which I believe they defined as 91 octane. But yeah. if you so choose, you can make it you can you can make it happen with mid range and it's not advised, but you can definitely do it. And I, I didn't even know that was an option and I'm probably never going to use it, but it's good to know it's possible. Well, part one thing I also uh, read about apparently, well, anyway, so some, some foundation first, um, most modern cars, I think maybe all modern cars have knock sensors. So, so the, the, the basics of this, please email Casey with the details on what I'm getting wrong. Uh, the <laughs> basics of this uh, is that you know uh, the compression stroke of the piston as it, as it compresses the fuel and air mixture upwards uh, into a really small high pressure blob so it can detonate it and uh, and get like a nice big power stroke on the way down from the explosion. Um, if you use too low of an octane, uh, then the fuel air mixture might spontaneously combust just from the pressure. Uh, earlier than when the piston is all the way up, which pushes the piston it for it it 
the, the explosion then forces it downwards when the piston's trying to push upwards, like right at the peak of its power. So it's really a, a huge counterforce to what the engine's trying to do, um, and it makes a knocking sound, um, which is why, why it's called a knock. And so if this happens a lot, it's putting a lot of forces and pressures on the uh, engine in a way in in like the opposite ways it's meant to take them. So it's really it can be very bad for the engine and can really wear down the engine very quickly and cause lots of severe expensive problems. So to avoid this, what a lot of modern engines do is they have a knock sensor which uh, if one of those premature combustions happens from using too low octane fuel, um, it adjusts the engine timing or whatever variables um, it adjusts so that it doesn't compress it as much. So that it kind of adapts to lower octane fuel, uh, to you know within some range of you know what it can, you know how how low it can compress the fuel. Um, then the problem there though is that you, then then you do reduce your performance and your economy when that's happening. So modern cars, if you put too low octane fuel in them, will usually be okay and will usually avoid most knocking because they'll sense the first few and then adjust themselves. But you're not really doing yourself or your car any favors by doing that on a regular basis. Now, to take issue with something you said, I think 99% of that was completely accurate. But, and I don't know, John, if you know the answer one way or another, but my understanding for, the, for many, many years is that the power stroke in a four stroke is indeed an explosion. And I don't remember who it was that, that said it to me, but. Eventually, oh, right. I was told the difference between like exploding it and igniting it or something. Right. Like it's not an yeah. explosion. It's actually just ignition or it, it's an igniting that air fuel mix. And the explosion thing is a misnomer that I believed for most of my life. John, do you happen to know one way? Or the I other? was going to make a, a comment when, uh, when Marco said detonation. I said, boy, we're going to get an email about that. But you beat, you beat the <laughs> pedantic emailers to it. Hooray. Real time follow up. Real time yeah. follow up. Well, yeah, and, and, a, and a knock is an explosion, right? Like the the premature detonation, I believe I believe that when like the knock happening, I believe that is an explosion, and then but normally when the fuel gets lit, normally that's that's an ignition. Is that right? I think so. And isn't that how a diesel works? Is it just hyper compresses to the point that yes. it eventually yeah. self ignites? Yeah, diesels don't have spark plugs. Like they don't they don't light it. They right, just compress right. it, um, which is really quite elegant. Um, it really makes a lot of sense why that would be an, a good idea to try that. Man, this this is exactly the kind of discussion that makes those like handful of angry people on Twitter say like these guys don't know what they're talking about, <laughs> <laughs> and they're right. Like most of our most of our fans, well, I guess by definition, by being fans, most of our fans seem fairly happy with us, um, or at least indifferent. But there's like a handful of people who are so angry that we don't know everything that we talk about. And even even if we say, you know, I'm not sure if this is how it works, and we kind of ruminate audibly during the podcast, they will still get angry at that. Uh, just because we we haven't prepared every single thing we're going to say in advance. And the I mean, well, maybe that, John has. I don't know. <laughs> the comedy of that is right at the top of Neutral's website, and from at the very beginning, it's always been, and I quote, a casual car podcast with the emphasis on casual. And man, do we get some worked up people emailing us? It's funny. Oh yeah, uh, and and from the beginning, like like when I wrote that little description up there, I I put the word casual. Everywhere. I put it there. I put it in the iTunes description. <laughs> I even put it like when I link to the episodes from my site, I say, This is the latest episode of our casual car podcast. <laughs> I'll say it everywhere just to appropriately set expectations that, like, we are not researching everything we say beforehand. We, re- we research some of it, uh, but we don't know everything we're going to say beforehand. Um, so, you know, this is part, this is mostly off the cuff. 
you know, like I, I just have like an outline of what I'm going to say with a few points I might have researched, uh, but not like, you know, every statement. And I, I, I assume you guys are similar, except John. But, you know, I, uh, even then though, like no matter how you set the expectation, there's going to be people who, who just get so <laughs> comically angry. I mean, I, I think we make it fairly clear that we're not taking ourselves too incredibly seriously here. And yet, uh, we still get people who, who just assume, I don't know. It is, and the funny thing is, it isn't that many people. If it was a whole ton of people, it would just be depressing. It's like four people. <laughs> it's very true. But man, are they angry about it? It's funny. <laughs> so a little bit of real time follow up while you, while you were talking, I was able to uh, find the the section in the owner's manual. So I was you referring weren't listening. To. No, I was listening, sure. and you were absolutely right. I was listening and agreeing and nodding <laughs> because everyone can see me nodding. Uh, Super premium gasoline slash AKI ninety one. This gasoline is highly recommended. However, you may use gasoline with less AKI. The minimum AKI, minimum AKI rating is for the 323 and 328, 87 for the 335, 89. If you use gasoline with this minimum AKI rating, the engine may produce knocking sounds when starting at high <laughs> outside temperatures. But here's the interesting part, and I quote, this has no effect on the engine life. Presumably, that's because the knock sensor takes over and, right, and right. you know reduces everything. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, it, so like, you know, I, I think what it, what that's saying is you can get away with it, but you know, the, the implication with the first part of it, you know, we strongly recommend that like, yes, you can get away with that. However, if you care at all about your car's economy or performance, you should really give it the kind of gas that it's tuned for. Right. And, and to make things worse, the next section, which I'm not going to read because it's relatively long is entitled use high quality brands. Yeah, I'm sorry. Use high quality brands. Thank you. Uh, there you go. Uh, which apparently is a lecture about how you can't use Kroger gas, and instead you have to use like Shell and Exxon and stuff like that. Uh, you know, I, I would actually that that's a topic we should research for a future episode because I've heard mixed things about that. I've heard from I've heard sometimes that the quality of gas you get really matters. I've heard other times that uh, that most it's gas that you get is all pretty spot. much the same, or or you know they're all buying it from the same. Uh, sections of the pipelines and everything like I, right, I, right. there's some uh, there's probably some middle ground that's actually truth so we should research that so uh, let's put that on put that on a magic list that we have just started keeping uh, <laughs> gas at the grocery store have oh, you ever been to ohio man i've driven through it you i can, didn't get you gas, can practically at, a gas store. at banks in ohio i mean you can get gas everywhere in ohio <laughs> make any sense oh kroger is the best and actually if i'm completely honest and this is so i'm gonna get so much email for this but so i buy this uh, relatively expensive car if not absurdly expensive car and then i specifically choose shell to fuel it in and a specific shell at that because they honor my kroger plus points and after i spend like 100 bucks at kroger i get 10 cents off 10 cents a gallon off on gas so it's it's completely ridiculous but that that's where i go because shell gas is good and i get a discount i just go to my town has has uh two full service gas stations that are just like like really? small mom and pop in shops New York? yeah full service is is common in, in like the smaller towns in the suburbs here so it's it's like you know uh like two gas pumps and a garage like that's the, the kind of gas station that these well, are when you say full service you mean that they they have mechanics or you mean they actually pump the fuel for you because Both. you're in, uh, oh so it's like you're in jersey and you're inept no it's like you don't want to get your hands smelling like gas hand you don't have full service gas stations near you i don't know i don't i, don't I can't know. think of any 
Except when I when we drive up to see mom and dad and we stop at the Jersey Turnpike yeah, at one the, of the, the Sunoco. Jersey we, thing is ridiculous, but yeah, oh, it's insane. Them. They they have them in New York and they have them here, and, and it, you know it's not like New Jersey. There, there's mostly south, but there's at least one side that's full. And it's great. I get to sit in my car, listen to Howard Stern or one of you guys talking, and uh, or Merlin yelling at me usually about how much he hates car <laughs> podcasts, and uh, and somebody else is out there getting their hands smelling like the gas pump. I never go to full service willingly, ever. Yeah, I can't imagine why I would. Try it out, guys. You'll see. At first, I got to find one. Man, that, that, I don't even know what to make of this. You've turned my world upside down, Marco. One thing, going back to Octane for a second, uh, I was wondering, and I'm curious to know if you guys uh, have any examples of this, or if I li- if our listeners do. So, you know, as we were saying, there is no reason to buy higher octane fuel than what your car recommends. Uh, because it's not going to make any better use of it. It's not going to increase its compression and get more power and more fuel economy. Um, you know, it's, it, it is tuned for, for its specific thing, and it will only do that or lower, generally. Um, but I've never seen a car that required 89. I've only ever seen cars that require 91 or 87 in the U.S. And I'm curious, is there a purpose for 89 other than to just get more money out of people? Like, people whose cars require 87, but using, you know, price anchoring, and they're like, well, you can get the crappy gas, cheapo gas, or you can get the plus, or you can get the premium. It's like, well, I don't need the premium. That's too expensive. I'll get the plus and feel a little bit better about myself. Like, is there, obviously, that's the cynical view of why 89 exists and is so widely available in the U.S. Is there any other reason? Like, do any cars say we need 89 or greater? Maybe there was once. I mean, I don't. I don't see eighty nine around where I am. I just have eighty seven, ninety one, ninety three, and I haven't seen eighty nine in forever. So maybe at one point there were cars like that, but not anymore. Well, I, I think know. I feel like there there have been cars like that, and I can't figure out for, off the top of my head which they were. Uh, but I mean, I guess you could also use eighty nine. Like I was reading a moment ago, if you're too cheap for ninety one, but you're too cheap to put ninety one in your BMW. So I guess there's that. Uh, I don't know, but I would imagine that at some point or or another, some car has required it, but darned if I know what. And you can email Marco for the love of God. <laughs> we got a great question a few weeks ago that I want to I want to discuss. Uh, it's from Paul Sprangers, and uh, and he said, "What are to each of you personally the most important car equipment options, and the least important or most ridiculous options?" That's really interesting. That was the number one thing on my, well, the number two thing on my list and the number one bit of follow-up that I also wanted, or a feedback that I also wanted to cover. I think it's a great question. It is a very because good question. Because there actually. are, especially now, like, there are so many options, especially once you get into like, you know, our crazy German luxury cars. But even, even in, in like, you know, mainstream cars, there are just so many add-ons and options that you can get now. And, uh, so many of them are awesome, and so many of them are total ripoffs. You should let me go first, because yeah. we know Marco wants every option in the entire <laughs> universe, so let him go last, because he's going to say, the one I don't get is the quadruple metallic paint, but everything else is good. That's actually pretty much, yeah, so go on. All right. Oh, God. Uh, so, the, the, the easy number one option that you should never, ever get in a car, if you could possibly help it, is the stupid in-car navigation system, because they're all super-duper terrible, and the one that's on your $200 phone with contract will be better. Even even the dedicated GPS things that are being driven out of the market by smartphones, even those are better. The GPSs in cars are just awful. The only time, they had a brief moment in the sun when 
that was one of the few places you could get a GPS and the standalone marking had come up and of course there was no smartphones, maybe then you had an excuse. But nowadays, like they charge like $2,000 extra for you to get a terrible GPS in your car. Unfortunately, you can't opt out of that on a lot of the higher end models. But if there's one place that I would like to, you know, please give me that money back, I would say do not spend $2,000 for in-car navigation because that is a ripoff and you will get a terrible product and all you end up doing is duct taping your iPhone right on top of the, the in-car navigation. See, uh, I couldn't that, disagree more. All right, well, one. you'll have your turn. All you'll right. have your turn. <laughs> well, do you want to uh, go item by item or person by person? Uh, I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to... Go ahead. Well, I'm just, I, I don't have that many items, so I'll just go through the... Well, of the, you course. Know, the, you hate everything. <laughs> Right, right. Get no so, options. <laughs> Brakes are optional. Steering is optional. Yeah. I don't need a right right uh, side view mirror. The hell with it. The, uh, this isn't even an option anymore. I don't anymore, need rear seats. Just in case it is, like, get the air conditioning. Uh, is that optional on cars these days? I suppose it might still be somewhere. I'm sure there uh, are cars somewhere where that is optional, but I think it's probably a pretty rare occurrence, especially in, in anywhere that's going to be listening to podcasts. Yeah, so get the air conditioning. Uh, I guess heat's never optional because the engine just makes heat. And they're like, well, here it is. It's for free. Um Let's see, uh, and then wait. I guess, if heat was optional, would you would you would you consider not getting it? No, I mean uh, you'd have to get it. I'm saying it's you not. You live near Boston. You have to. It's you'd not, use, op- you it's not optional heat. anywhere. Um, I don't think there's anything else that I have really strong feelings about. I would say don't get the satellite radio too, for, for the same reason that like you know satellite radio is no good. Don't like don't give them money for electronics because they charge way too much for it. You can get better solutions either aftermarket or non-automotive, you know. So non-automotive is using your iPhone for navigation, and aftermarket is like buying an aftermarket stereo instead of paying more for the, the system that they have built in. Everything else I say, you, you could take or leave. Oh, and may, maybe don't get the sunroof because of headroom. Like, if you like leather seats, get leather seats. If you don't like leather seats, don't get leather seats. That kind of annoys me when you can't avoid leather seats. You know, we all like options. We don't want to be forced into anything but it's like cable television they package things up so if you well if you want leather seats then you have to get the thing with navigation and that's only available on the v6 and blah blah blah, you know you know the whole deal uh but other than that i said there's no there's no options that i would say you must have even things like you know cruise control and stuff like that like i suppose if you do lots of long trips get it but if you never go on the highway cruise control is meaningless for you you know so every single item i think you should just Take it on its merits and decide whether you want it or not. Inevitably, no matter what you what you pick, uh, you will be forced into a package that has more stuff than you want. But uh, navigation is by far my least favorite. May I go? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to be the middle of the road here. Uh, John is completely wrong about navigation, and let me tell you why. Um, you're actually right, all kidding aside, about the navigation piece of navigation, but you're wrong about what oftentimes comes with navigation. When I got the BMW, I was not seeking a car with navigation, and it just so happened that the one I found had navigation, as well as the other more important options that that we'll talk about here in a second. That being said, the thing that I really love about the navigation is the entertainment or infotainment crap that comes with it. And by that, I mean the car has like a 10 or 15 gig hard drive sitting, I think, in the passenger footwell that lets me load MP3s onto it. And so now, rather than shuffling through a bunch of CDs, which, by the way, the car doesn't have a CD changer, which would bother me if I didn't have the infotainment stuff. But anyway. Wait, hang on um, a second. I, mm-hmm. I, I know this is your turn, but I have to interrupt. No, that's fine. That's fine. You still use CDs in the car? Well, yeah, I, I don't understand that either. A CD well, changer? Even, I don't, even I'm not using those anymore. Well, in the Subaru, I'm pretty sure that, that my, it, my, my 328 system, I think, has like a, one of those in-dash multi-disc things. But I don't even know whether it does. I just know it has a slot that I've never put a CD into. 
So that's a very fair question. And the reason I used CDs up until just a few months ago was because the Subaru was just barely old enough not to have an auxiliary input of any kind, and FM transmitters suck. Agreed. So, Did it have a cassette deck? No. Okay. Aaron's car has a, has a cassette deck, and the comedy of that is when we got the car, we were like, who the hell needs a cassette deck? <laughs> then fast forward two or three years when everyone really had iPods and iPhones and things of that nature, and suddenly the cassette deck is the best feature in the entire oh, yeah. car. Because if you're going to try to get audio from an iPod or a phone into a car that doesn't have an aux-in jack, the cassette deck is way better than a transmitter. Oh, it is by more. far the better option. Your father would be disappointed in you, Casey, because like on my two Accords, I got one 2004, I think it got totaled, then I got 2007. Neither one of those had aux in because it was like you said, it was like the generation before they all got aux in, but it was after they all all the tape decks were gone. And right, on both right. of those cars, I bought aftermarket kits to get an aux in and disassembled the whole dashboard and <laughs> pulled out the radio and, you know, uh, put it to myself because there was no way I was going to use an FM transmitter. And, and it has an in-dash CD changer, but I wasn't going to use that either. So uh, yeah, that, I, I, there's probably a way for you to get an aux and just going to go aftermarket. On my Maxima, hey. I even did that myself. Like I, I looked up online, people had posted uh, like a picture of the bottom of its of the circuit board of this crazy stereo it had. And if you like soldered on a couple of terminals to this one spot, then you could have an aux in. So I, I literally, you know, took my dash apart and drilled two holes and put, RCA jacks on my dash, left, right, and uh, and had an aux in for my for my crazy Maxima. I mean, and, and it was totally worth it, even though I had a cassette deck. I just wanted that direct line. Yeah, and and John, I actually looked into doing that in the Subaru, and I to be fair, I did not look into it deeply because the Subaru was new enough that this was starting to be the time when. Uh, HVAC controls and radio were all one big gigantic unit rather than having like a DIN or double DIN radio that you right. could just rip out. There was no like dedicated radio bay. Exactly, anymore. exactly. And I believe the way in which people got an aux in into that radio was ridiculous. And it was, I think they rode on the antenna line. So it was, mm-hmm. it was kind of like FM transmission, except that you were directly connected to the line the antenna ran off of or something like that. It was, and it was impossible to do. And you had to rip out the entire dash. And I, I just wanted nothing to do with it. So to come back to the, to the options thing. So I, I agree that nav actually is kind of useless, although it is nice to have it in the car. It, it's certainly not as nice as having a phone that can do it oh, or even a dedicated you're unit. Killing me. Go, go ahead. Finish. <laughs> um, but the infotainment stuff, like being able to put music into the car, Bluetooth audio streaming is the, the coolest freaking thing in the world. I adore it. Um, and and what's really nice about Bluetooth is, you know, you don't have to take your phone out of your pocket. And that's really, really cool as well, especially as combined with Comfort Access, which is BMW's proximity key thing. Another thing that I didn't expect to get on the BMW, but I did, and I freaking love it. And then it occurred to me recently in talking with a coworker um, whom is a lady that it's even cooler if you're if you're a if you're a woman because presumably unlike men you don't have your keys in your pocket you're they're buried somewhere in the bottom of your purse and so you'd never have to fiddle with your keys in order to get into or out of the car or start the car or anything like that and so that that's something that now that I have it I've been ruined for life wait why don't women have keys in their pockets because they're in their purses why because that's what purses are for john do if, you really hey, want if me to- I had a purse my keys would be in there no question i hate oh, hell's in my yes. pockets Plus, that's it's worth pointing out a lot of a lot of common w- women's uh, clothing types don't have pockets. Um, but man, we should really stop talking about this we, <laughs> yeah, before this we, is, before this we get into trouble hole. somehow. This what is, type this of is clothes a, don't have pockets? Uh, well, dresses for one. Um, some a lot of pants, like business pants, sometimes like they won't have pockets. Um, pants with no pockets. It's a world gone mad. 
or they're so tight fitting that you it would be in a, your your pants would be bulbous. Um, yeah, we got to stop. <laughs> yeah, so this is anyway, not going to go anywhere. So or I safe. I happen to be I happen to be a leather person. I understand that some are not. I happen to be a sunroof person. I understand some are not. Uh, I very much like being married, and I very much be like being married to Aaron. And we don't tend to have the same body temperatures, so dual zone climate control is the best thing ever. Um, heated seats, even though I live in Virginia, happen to be one of my favorite things in the world, and so I happen to think that's a must-have. Uh, one thing I did miss on the Subaru, and I am very glad to have on the BMWs, fold-down rear seats. So the rare occasions I do need oh, to yeah. transport something that's bigger than four or five feet long. Then is I that, is that ever an option? Because like, if your car oh, yeah. doesn't have it because it's like a hybrid and that's where the batteries are, like you can't get it as an option. I, part... I've never seen a car where you can get it, but it's an option. Actually, the that BMW, was... it's usually, especially, I think, I think in the whole three series, it's an option. Yeah, it's part just, of the. It's just to get package. a couple more, you know, a couple hundred. Yeah, bucks like, why, out of why would they not give that? It's just it doesn't make any sense that they would. It seems like it would cost them more to make two versions of the back seat. Like I, th- I think if you if you go to a lot and look at what they have, like I've never seen one in stock anywhere that didn't have it. But it is technically an option. No, that's a trick that's... Toyota pulls. Toyota is is the master of ripping people off with that kind of trick, where like they'll advertise a minimum price for the car, and then you go to the dealers, and you can't find you can't find any of them that have that price. They all have all these option packages on them, which they don't publish the prices for, as far as I know, and at least they didn't last time I looked at Toyotas. And uh, so like all your research is ruined because you were researching the base price, and nothing there has the base configuration. Well, it's like floor mats. I mean, that used to be the old one on the cheap cars that, like, uh, nothing comes with floor mats. Like, and it was just like a, a, a gentleman's agreement amongst all, you know, uh, low price car vendors. No, no one's going to include the floor mats for free. The floor mats are always extra and they're always like $200. Like the most expensive squares of carpet you've ever seen in your entire life. <laughs> I had to buy floor mats from eBay for the 1M. Like, when I Did got it, really? and I just assumed that, like, the guy who owned it before me was just, you know, he just lost them or, or something, you know, before he gave the car to this dealer. Um, cause I'd never seen like a car this decade or the last decade for that matter that didn't come with floor mats. And, well, no, but everyone uh, just buys them. That's what like they don't, <laughs> oh, none of them came with them, but you would buy them. I mean, I bought them in, for my cars cause what am I going to do with a car with no floor mats? Right. And, and, and you know, it looked, you know, cause it has like those big like Velcro disc mounts. Like it has all the mounts for the floor mats to stick on. So it looks terrible without them. Even if you could somehow justify the, the dirt issues. Uh, it's like, <laughs> it just, it seems so weird that. You would sell a car without floor mats, and that you would buy a car without floor mats. Uh, so yeah, I had to like go spend a hundred bucks on eBay to get floor mats for this crazy sports car that somehow didn't come with them. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. So uh, I'm almost done with my list here. Um, so heated seats, uh, fold down rear seats. Uh, the, there are two options that I. Well, one of them is actually becoming required. That's dynamic stability control, and everyone has a different name for it. But that breaks the laws of physics. It's insane. Actually, I think in the owner's manual, it literally says it can't break the laws of physics. But as far as I'm concerned, it will make your car not do things it shouldn't do, no matter how stupid and and ham-fisted you are. And so if it was an option, I would definitely tick it. And then, uh, John, earlier, I believe you made mention of, you know, you had said don't don't do anything electronic. But the Harman Kardon sound in my car is one of the best stereos I've ever heard. Now, maybe I'm just telling myself to believe that, but it really is. I'm sure really it sounds phenomenal. better than the stock radio, but the question is, does it sound better than the equivalent radio you could have bought with that same money? Because they always overcharge you for the fancier radio. Like, oh, and for an extra $1,200. You know what kind of aftermarket stereo you can get for $1,200? You can get a pretty darn good one. Yeah, but it would it would not look right as stapled mm, into... Oh, well, yeah, that's how they get you. 
Well, exactly. Uh, and also, uh, one thing I will say about the NAV in, in favor of having NAV, and I can't speak for other manufacturers, but one of the very cool things about the BMW's NAV is that when you have BMW Assist, which is their OnStar knockoff, you can actually get on Google Maps, find an address, and have Google Maps send it to your car so that the moment you get in the car, you you look at whatever messages have come in since the last time you got in your car, and it's sitting right and the address is sitting right there, ready to go, ready to be entered, ready already entered, ready to be used. And granted, you know, if you're doing this on your phone, then you're not really gaining anything. But I do think that is a pretty cool use, uh, uh, making the in-car nav better than it otherwise could have been. The Tesla does that all inside the same car because you go to the giant touchpad, and you use Google <laughs> Maps, and you find your destination. But the giant touchpad well, has no idea how to do navigation, so you press a button and it sends it from the Google Maps thing oh, to God. to the in-car navigation, which is a Garmin unit. That's so it's insane. like a little miniature close-up version. They're three feet away from each other, but it's two. Yeah, that's like a version 1.0 thing. Yeah, and actually that reminds me that my dad's Jeep, uh, he got a Wrangler, I don't know, maybe six months or a year ago. And it actually has, if I'm not mistaken, a Garmin nav system. It's Garmin software in the onboard Jeep nav. So that I actually really like a lot because it's the exact same software you find in a standalone Garmin unit, but it's part of the in in-car unit. Then finally, the only other thing that I don't think I've mentioned that I that I would absolutely recommend is uh, xenon headlamps, if at all possible. The difference between xenons and incandescent bulbs is <laughs> stupid, terrible pun, but night and day. I mean, the, 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 especially in the bi xenons and the BMW, when I have my brights on, it could it might as well be freaking daytime. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's all about LEDs now, Casey. You're so that's true. The times. That's true. You're right. <laughs> well, just some sort of high high just. What yeah. is it? Hard discharge? What you know? I was I'm just reading about, about high the, intensity the new, discharge. Yeah. HID. Yeah. yeah. There you go. I was just reading about the new uh, Mercedes S Class, upcoming S Class that has expunged incandescent bulbs and xenon bulbs and halogen everything from its the entire car, interior, exterior, <laughs> turn signals, everything. Everything is LED on the upcoming S Class. Well, and didn't I see that the Volvo has come out with like all uh, high beams that are always on, and they'll automatically like take yeah, away that, the high beam for the, the area. You might have been misreading about it, but the S-Class does the same thing. It, oh, is it? it basically, okay. it has this, these uh, light shields that adjust and uh, depending on if there's oncoming traffic and like, right, you know, right. it, it, everything is dynamic. Like the taillights behind you uh, adjust their brightness based on the proximity of the car behind you so you don't blind a person oh, who's stuck cool. behind you in traffic. The uh, headlight thing, thing has, nice been on, like has been on, I think, all the luxury brands for a few years now. Uh, the like the automatic brights where like it'll it'll look ahead and and it'll keep your brights on most of the time and then it'll dim them or re-aim well, this, this them is, away from people if, as they come on. This is different. This is like uh like a little actuator that's shaping the light output. So yes. it, it, it knocks out certain regions of the light because the light is made up of lots of tiny little LEDs. Maybe it just turns them off or whatever. Like it's 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 making the output of the light uh, a silhouette that matches the area that you want to go on instead of instead of taking a light that just makes a bright light and aiming it in different directions or something like that oh, okay but yeah that that was my list i'm done man i don't <sighs> what options don't you like maybe that'd be easier just well, right. black list. <laughs> <laughs> well first of all I, I i should say the points that i disagree with you guys on first um i really like a sunroof uh, I I know that you know Casey. I think you're indifferent, John. You don't like for the oh like, no for no I agree, I agree um, I agree. It does make sense. Like if you like John, you you usually have headroom issues because you're tall and and you buy short cars. So uh, so I guess it it would make sense. I buy in that, tall cars. I guess it would make sense in that in that case. 
but I think as long as that's not your issue, uh, I love a sunroof because uh, the air pattern that you get when you just open the sunroof and not any of the windows, to me, like, I love doing that when it's cold outside. Like, you know, it, when it's, like, in the 40s, like, it's not, it's not warm enough to really have all the windows open, but you still like some fresh air. You can just open the sunroof and, uh, like, you know, blast the heat on your feet and leave the sunroof open. And to me, like, I like that combination. I also just really like the light that comes in. Like, I, I'll, leave, I'll leave the little shade open all the time, um, even, when the, when, even when the glass is closed, just because I like the, the openness that you get from that additional light. So I, I love a sunroof, and I really, uh, I, I, I miss it when I'm in the Rocket because the Rocket doesn't have that. Um, and in my 328, it's always, I always have it open. I could not agree more. I, I should have mentioned that. And the and the uh, excuse me, the Subaru didn't have it because it was a package, like both you guys were talking about. And if memory serves, the package was a sunroof and leather and something else, which I can't remember off the top of my head. But it was those. Oh, I think it was power seats. Sunroof leather power seats was three thousand dollars, and I just couldn't swing it. It just was stupid. But I could not agree more. I absolutely love. You don't love worry about leaks because I guess Marco's changing up his cars every three years. They never get a chance to leak. <laughs> but. Uh, the one sunroofed car that we had in my family, the sunroof leaked. Really? I mean, we I've had, had we had a 94 Camry uh, that had a sunroof that my mom just got rid of like two years ago, and it never leaked. Yeah, same here. It, I mean, it was I've never heard of somebody's sunroof leaking. <laughs> maybe maybe it's your, your roof pellet issue. <laughs> That's true. No, this is uh, not our car that we own. This is my, uh, my mother's uh, uh, Nissan 240Z. I mean, it was an old car, obviously, but... Uh, had a sunroof uh, and it was leaky. Anyway, um, let's see. I, I going through your list. I'm a big fan of um, the park distance beepers. Uh, very, everyone calls these things different things. BMW calls it park distance control (PDC). Some people call it park assist. It's it's those little like I don't know if they're like short range radar or infrared or what. Those little sensors in the bumpers that sense distance to the cars in front and behind you and beep as you get closer to them. Um, I parallel park all the time. It, that's the way the place I live. I, you always have to parallel park in various places. And, uh, if you ever parallel park, having those park distance beepers is awesome. And, and so with Tiff's car, we couldn't get them there. We, we were ordering Tiff's car. It, it's the Lexus, the IS, um, which doesn't have a fold down rear seat, which drives us crazy and sucks. And it wasn't even an option. Um, and there's no reason for that not to be an option on that car. I, I don't know why they did that. Um, Lexus is weird about their fold-down rear seats. They don't really... I don't think any of their sedans have them. I think it's only in the SUVs, which is bizarre. Anyway, um, so Tiff's car has a backup camera where it just shows the image in the navigation screen. And and, and both of my... <laughs> sound like such, such an ass. Both of my BMWs. <laughs> you are... You're done. Oh, oh my lord. <laughs> anyway, they, uh, they both have just the beepers and, and, and not the camera. And, uh, wait, is that true? Does the rocket? Yeah, 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 neither of them has a camera. Um, and I find the beepers to be way more useful than the camera because, you, like, you can be looking backwards as you're backing up. You can be looking backwards and still get that feedback from that system. Now, ideally, if you can have both, sure, get both. But if, I, if you have to pick one or the other, like, Tiff's car has just the camera, my car has just the beeper, and we both agree that the beeper is the way better option. Uh, uh, question would you if available tick the option box for automatic parallel parking mode where you just take your hands off the wheel foot off everything and it does it for you 
You know, I've never, I've never actually uh, seen that in person or been in a car that has that. If it if it worked especially well, and if it could get into a really tight spot that I'm that might be challenging to, to get into on my own, um, then maybe. But I'm pretty good. At, like generally, if you have to parallel park on a regular basis, you you get pretty good at it. So uh, I don't really need that, and I'm not I'm not really like it wouldn't provide that much value to me. So like, if I had to pay extra for just that feature, I wouldn't get it. But if it was part of some package I was getting, maybe I'd get it then. You know, so like it was some, part of the technology package. Right, exactly. Um, but yeah, the park distance beepers, I love those things. I highly recommend that if you ever parallel park, and if you have a car where that's an option, get it. It is totally worth it. And one small caveat to that is that uh, some cars only offer it on the rear or only on the front. I don't know why. Maybe it's like a bumper design limitation yeah, or something. Yeah, a lot of cars will offer it only on one of those two, and and including the one M, uh, it only has it on the rear. And, Same with uh, my car. Really, with the M Sport yeah. bumper, is that why? That's why it's because the M Sport bumper. Now, to my eye, there's physically enough room for the sensors, but on the M Sport three three thirty fives, and I'm or on the M Sport three series, is, is is they do not have a front park distance control. Although I believe the M three did. That's but weird. mine certainly does not. Yeah, it's very odd. Anyway, so. Uh, when you only have it on one, it's nice a little bit, but it really helps to have it on both. Because then, because what you, what you can do with this, like for me, I always think my car is way bigger than it is, like front and back. So I like I'll back into a spot and think I have almost no space at all, and then get out and look, and I have way more space than I thought I did. Um, as a result, I will pass up on spots that I could fit in that I don't think I could fit in. Uh, with the park distance control, you can get so close without knowing you're going to hit your car, like you can get so close that you can get yourself into smaller spots without that paranoia of, oh my God, I'm going to hit everything constantly. Yeah, and what's interesting about the BMWs with navigation is that uh, in, when, the, when the car's in reverse, I actually see a, a kind of overhead view of my car and then kind of like a graph. It's very hard to describe, but it's, it's a visual representation of what it thinks is behind me based on, I think it is short range radar, based on the radar coming off the rear bumper. And so I can see that on the left side, specifically, you know, a third of the way into the car, there's some sort of obstruction that I'm really close to. Yeah, it's so a really it's not cool as system. nice. Yeah, it's not as nice as a camera for sure, but but it's certainly as good as you get without having a camera. Well, because really, like, I, the, I, I really don't get the camera thing because when I'm backing up, I'm, I'm turning my head behind me so I can't see the screen. And so, like, yeah, you have to, like, keep looking back and forth if you want to actually make use of the camera. you got to keep looking back and forth between the screen and the rear windshield. Or you can just look at the rear windshield, which is what I think me and most people who have this probably just end up doing, uh, in which case the camera is not really serving you. The, the camera so you can see uh, kids. You'll see when Adam starts toddling behind your car. You can't see him because he's below your deck lid. So that's what the cameras are. Right. For. But then what do you, like, are you supposed to just look at the screen the whole time? You look at the camera to see that it's clear of kids. And then you start backing up, and then a kid runs in. I mean, it's like... I mean, well, you know, but you, know. Would, people, you can back up the whole time just looking in the camera, because it's fisheye. You can see everything from it. I mean, you can try it back and forth, too, but it's basically like the, if you have to choose one thing to look at, either just the camera or just out the back window, the theory is that you should look out the camera, because you will not see kids below the height of your deck, especially in, like, a minivan, where the where the cutout for the rear window is so much higher that it's going to be hiding, like, you know, full-size kids, not just toddlers, right? Right, you can't see yeah. Anything. Like, it makes more sense on cars where you have very limited rear visibility. Um, that you know that obviously makes more sense. But, but even even on a sedan, I think just to, just to get the peace of mind that it's okay to start backing out, 
Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, that makes like, that makes sense. But then you then you just look at it once and you turn your head. Well, yeah, I mean, like you, you want for most of the time, it's not going to actually be a toddler. Most of the time, it's going to be like you know, kids at a bus stop or whatever. And uh, once you know it, it's okay to start moving, once a moving car will you know be more noticeable to children than a kid who is standing right behind it does not notice the car started to move. You don't notice until like you feel the lump of the tire going over him. You know what I mean? Like right. Once a thing's in motion, it can catch people's eyes, but if if it ju- you have to know, like, when can I start to move, right? And then you can and you can periodically glance back at it to make sure it's still clear, you know? I mean, and also, presumably, once you start moving, if you're looking out the back, you'll be able to see the kid run in from one side or the other, hopefully having a better right. view of the sides yeah. than you do in the back. All right, fair enough. Uh, I would also say uh, one option I like a lot, and we're, we're going to have, I think, a bigger discussion about aftermarket versus stock stuff. Um, one thing I like a lot, is uh, steering wheel audio controls. Uh, oh my god, yes! It's like I, 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 my first car with that was the uh, was the forgettable Accord, and it's oh man, it's even even though the Accord has that giant volume knob in the middle, well, it did I don't, probably still doesn't, or if it probably doesn't anymore, but uh, it, it's it's so nice because your hands are already on the wheel to be able to make little volume adjustments from right there. Oh, it changes everything. Now, John, does your I know your current car probably doesn't have this. Would you get that on your new car if it was an option? It's not even optional anymore. Like, you know, well, my current cars have it. I have the same generation of Accord that you did, and I don't okay. think it's an option. Like, maybe it was an option on my old Civic, but I think all the Accords come with it standard. Well, because your current one was an EX, right? Because you said it was like it was the high trim level that you got through the insurance thing. It was the SE Special Edition. I don't know it, but it wasn't. <laughs> it's not the V6, but it wasn't the bottom of the line. It was like, okay, you know. But yeah, I don't think I don't think you can get an accord without because the, the, the bottom of the line one like power windows were optional. So. I, I don't think they do that <laughs> anymore. Yeah, no, yeah. my 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 ninety two Civic had uh, roll up windows. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, I love steering wheel audio controls. Um, to extend on the on the heated seats thing, uh, first of all, heated seats are awesome. Uh, I I don't think I ever had them with cloth. I don't think anybody really offers that because there's not there's a lot less demand for it with cloth seats. Subaru, um, they do. Yeah, that's what mine has, cloth oh, okay. seats, but heated seats. Well, anyway, uh, with, with leather, at least, I can tell you uh, heated seats are awesome. Even, even when it's not like 20 degrees outside, even when it's 40 degrees outside, I still use my, I, I use heated seats whenever it's too cold to roll the windows down. So, again, with, with my sunroof thing, sunroof open, seat, heated seat, hot feet, awesome. Great combination. But yeah, well, you it, need to do it with leather because leather you'll freeze your butt off literally. If <laughs> literally, if, yeah. <laughs> yes, your butt will actually be removed from your body yep. because it's frozen. Um, <laughs> because they they suck the heat right out of you. You know, like cloth seats don't do that as much. So that's I think that's why the heated seats are rare on cloth seats because of you know the cloth seats make kind of like an air cushion between your butt and the seat that it gives you time to heat up that air and it doesn't feel so cold. Whereas leather just makes a big contact and, yeah. and it sucks the heat right out of you. So you need, you definitely need the heat. Don't get leather seats without a heater, basically. It should be the rule. Right. It's also really nice to, um, to put your hands under your legs onto a heated seat when you've just like brushed all the snow off your car and your hands are freezing. Uh, that, that helps. That's why you get the heated steering wheel, right? Yeah, I'm going to get to that. Uh, <laughs> so, so yeah, definitely. So, uh, only one of our cars has a heated steering wheel and oh my God, it's amazing. And uh, it's, oh man, not a lot of cars have that as an option, but if you have that as an option, if you live anywhere cold, you'd be amazed how nice it is. Like it, 
I, and and it, BMW's version of it is actually pretty terrible. I mean, at least the one in my three series. I don't. I haven't used any other ones yet. Um, but like the the button for it is positioned on the, on the side of the wheel, like on like the I don't know the, the shaft, whatever that's called. <laughs> it's positioned on the side of that, but one of the spokes of the wheel visually blocks you from seeing it uh, when you're driving, if you unless you're turning and pretty sharply. So if you're driving straight. You can't see whether the heated steering wheel is on or off, and uh, so and and there's even like a couple of like dead spots like around the perimeter of the wheel where it's just not heated, like where some of the joints are with the spokes. So it isn't even a very good implementation of this, but it's just so nice to have that feature, it, and it's it is incredible. It really like when you when you're you know when it's cold and everything in the car is cold, every surface you touch is cold. Uh, having the heated seat is a big step up. Having the heated wheel just completes it. It's like then you can get in the car without gloves and without you know, without freezing your hands off and just wrap your hands around that wheel. It just it just feels so nice. Even even when it's just like forty, you know, it doesn't have to be that cold for this to be nice. It, it's fantastic. Uh, I definitely again I would strongly recommend a heated wheel. Um, let's see, P- uh, powered seats. A lot of people are uh, iffy on this. Um, sometimes they're very expensive add-on. They they do certainly add weight. One. Major awesome feature of powered seats is if, if you have two drivers of your car and you are not identically sized, uh, powered seats usually have memories. And so you can usually program in like you and your spouse to have two different seat settings. And uh, then you can adjust with you know the push of a button. You can adjust between the two of you. Uh, it's also very useful even if you're the only person who ever drives your car. It's nice like if you go if you get like a car wash or if you get the car serviced and somebody else has to sit in your car for a minute and they adjust the seat, then as soon as they hand you the car back, you can push the button, and it's back to your perfect settings. So it's I would love really to great. know what it is that the people who service and wash and detail your car, like, how is it that they come to choose the seating and mirror positions and HVAC <laughs> settings that, are, that exist in your car? Because when you get into your car, you're like, no human would have these combination of attributes. Are they just randomly <laughs> positioning the seats, the mirrors, and like the blower is on full and the heat is on max, but the air conditioning is also on and the radio is blaring on some weird station. The seat is pushed all the way back but pushed forward and the mirrors can't be seen from that position. It's just, it always strikes me as completely random. Oh, you're absolutely right. And the funny thing is, you know, uh, as the driver of a car with a clutch, I know that I can't properly operate my car except in a maybe two or three inch uh, depth of my of the seat. So there's like a two or three inch window of good wherein I can operate the clutch properly. And almost every time I get in my car, <clears throat> excuse me, almost every time I get in my car after it's been serviced, the seat is back. So John, you wouldn't be able to operate the clutch properly. So I'm I'm basically six foot tall, and I get in the car, and there must be like Shaquille O'Neal in the service bay servicing this damn thing because the <laughs> seat is so far back. I don't know how anyone even got it to the parking spot it was in. Maybe they slouch. You know, you know the la- lack of memory seats, which I've wanted memory seats forever, but of course I never get a car with power seats, so it's not in the cards. But uh, uh, and you know, because my wife is much shorter than I am. Uh, and having that happen makes you become skilled in the art of driving stick shift car in awkward positions because frequently I'll have to like move her car off the driveway or move cars around and I'll go in there and I won't bother. I'm not going to spend the time to adjust the seats and all this other stuff. Right. So I'll sort of wedge my, but she's got her seat not only way far forward, but also cranked up because, you know, the seat has a little lever to go up and down. She's short, so she cranks the seat up. She has up it in my 90. position. 
Yeah, and I need the seat all the way down to give me headroom. But I can get in the car kind of sideways and kind of like my feet are, my knees are up by my chin and my legs are sideways in the footwell. And I can kind of operate the clutch with like the ball of my left foot while using the shift there with it. It's just that and knowing how to drive a stick shift car while wearing ski boots are the two important skills that I've learned. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't recommend that one. That's impressive. Yeah. Let me know when you conquer high heels because apparently that's all you have left, John. I think ski boots is probably more difficult because you really get no feel for what's going on underneath the price. They're so big. I mean, oh, man. All right. Anyway, this episode is sponsored by Squarespace. <laughs> um, so, yeah, go to squarespace.com. This is a great place to host your own site. You go, you, they have all these great themes, all these great templates designed by real designers. Uh, you can host your blog, your portfolio. Uh, and now you can even host your store if you want to sell stuff, digital or physical. You can sell T-shirts, you can sell eBooks, you can sell lots of great stuff. Or you can just have a website for yourself, for your blog, for your podcast. We host Neutral there. Uh, neutral.fm is our site. You can go and see what Squarespace can do. It's awesome. So yeah, this new commerce thing they just launched where you can make your own store. Uh, it's integrated with every Squarespace template. Uh, it has a fast merchant account set up. You can accept payments and credit cards directly from your site. Uh, it's backed by Stripe, and Stripe is awesome and very, very trusted. So you can, you know, make sure that you and your customers are going to be safe, and everyone's going to trust each other. It's fantastic. Uh, there's a single interface for order management when you set up one of these stores. Uh, you can track the orders. Uh, you can provide email updates. You can print shipping labels. It's a fantastic system. Very mature already, and uh, their, you know, their whole their whole blog platform is really fantastic. Uh, plus, they sponsor our show, so they got to be pretty cool. And dealing with these people, I can tell you, they're very nice people too. Very, very competent, and they, you know, they they support the arts. They love what we do. They they support lots of podcasts I listen to, and uh, yeah. So go support these guys. Um, it's fantastic. Go to squarespace.com, start your blog, put up a portfolio, put up a site for your business. It's a fantastic place to do all these things, and it's very little very little effort. This is even a place, you know, a few months ago. Um, my neighbors came to me and they said, hey, we got to set up a site for some, something they were doing. Uh, where should we go to set this up? Now, I'm a computer nerd. People always ask me for help setting up things. And if you're a computer nerd, you know that you want to tell them the option that's going to cause you the least amount of work. Um, so uh, typically, you know, with computers, you say go buy a Mac. Uh, or better yet, go buy an iPad these days. Well, Squarespace is the web hosting equivalent to that. I told them, look, here's how to get, if you want to if you want to make your own website, go to Squarespace. Set it up. It's awesome. And sure enough, I never heard about it again except like oh, one week later they said, "Oh yeah, we did that. It's working." That's it. I, they never needed help with anything. They never had to come back to me with questions. It was fantastic. As far as I know, they're very happy with it. I'm very happy with it. Go to squarespace.com. It's uh, really affordable. Um, you can get uh, a shop set up for $24 a month. Uh, you can get a website set up for 10. And if you use our coupon code, it is code NEUTRAL3 at checkout. That's NEUTRAL3 for the month of three. Uh, use that code at checkout to get an additional 10% off. Uh, really fantastic. Thanks to Squarespace for sponsoring NEUTRAL. Very much why are, so. Why are we selling something? Why don't you put up a store? I don't have any. <laughs> well, I can make a big shirt with a big N on it. <laughs> there you go. With, with my logo actually, I made in five minutes in Photoshop. That's right. Yeah. Would anyone actually buy that? Who knows? Hey, uh, are, were you done with your options? Because I wanted to hear you Not tear quite. us apart about the navigation, if you were. Yes. So okay. one more quick thing. Um, Syracuse mentioned satellite radio is terrible. I do agree. I'm a big fan of some satellite radio content. However, um, 
Sirius XM is really a, a pretty rough company in a lot of ways. They, uh, they're like, they're the kind of company, like once you get, if you ever subscribe to Sirius XM, they will spam the crap out of you forever. Like it, you'll, you'll get things in the mail every week saying, Hey, we activated your radio for another two hours for free. Come back to us. Here's an offer. You know, one of those companies like where you can never really fully leave. Um, they're, they're just kind of a mess, very badly managed company. And the audio quality over the air is pretty terrible. Um, the internet streaming is okay, but the audio, the the over the air quality sounds like a like an eighty kilobit per second MP3. It really is is pretty rough. Um, that being said, I, I did get the premium upgrade because I do like listening to a few things on satellite radio, so I tolerate them. Um, I will agree the Harman Kardon BMW upgrade is is pretty good. Um, although the stock one is probably fine too, honestly. Uh, my my radio. Because I upgraded with the Sirius, as part of the package, I got HD radio. Have, do either of you guys, have you, either of you ever used HD radio? Hybrid digital, not high definition. Really? Is that what, is that what yes. it stands for? Yeah, I didn't know that either. I, HD radio, I believe, does not stand for high definition. So. Was, was that a trademark issue that they couldn't? Uh, no, <laughs> no, I think I think it's probably like a truth in advertising because it's Maybe. not giving you, you know, like, technically speaking, I think a good strong FM radio signal may be just as good as this. Well, it does sound way better on AM, that's for sure. But anyway, uh, it's uh, HD radio, so I have it in my 328. It is just completely useless because maybe maybe other areas this will be different, but where I am, you know, in the, in the New York metro area, um, the reception for the HD signal cuts out occasionally. So the radio conveniently automatically switches back to the FM version uh, or the AM version, depending on what you're listening to. And so as you're driving around, you'll, you'll hear it cut back and forth between the two. And, you know, the HD version sounds a little bit better usually, but uh, it's not worth hearing it cut back and forth. It's annoying as hell. So I, I, don't, I don't recommend HD radio. Also, what you're hearing in better quality is still terrible radio stations. You know, you're still hearing a million commercials an hour. You're still hearing, uh, you know, the, the same 40 songs on rotation with no human DJs ever involved anymore or somebody pre-recorded from some other state. You know, radio is terrible. Like, the, whole, the whole, like, broadcast radio industry is just in such shambles. It's so terrible. Uh, so you're getting a higher quality rendering of a terrible product sometimes. <laughs> so it's really not – I don't recommend HD radio at all. Um, so with the with the M5, they have a whole bunch of crazy technology options, but they're in like two packages. So I got both packages. So I'm getting most of the crazy t- technology things. One option I didn't get was the Bang and Olufsen fancy radio. Uh, it's thirty five hundred dollars extra, and it's just an upgraded stereo. And they have like all these crazy like there's a center speaker on the dash that like lifts up out of its little. Uh, hole that it sits in when it's off. It like lifts up when you turn the car on and beams sound directly into your ear or something. It sounds all crazy, you know, like most of Bang & Olufsen's marketing claims. Um, I I actually didn't hear it because I, I couldn't find one of these in a dealer because I, I imagine they probably have a hard time selling anything configured with that option. But uh, I don't care how good it sounds. It could sound amazing. It wouldn't be worth $3,500 for me because... Usually, when I'm in the car, I'm listening to podcasts. Uh, I, I very rarely listen to music in the car. Uh, so, Or if I am listening to music, it's on such a short trip, like just going into town for the post office and coming back. Like It's such a short trip that I'm not even really going to notice the quality that much. Uh, on long trips where I would notice the quality and pay attention, I'm listening to podcasts. 
which usually, no matter how well they're recorded and processed, they don't really sound any different on different quality car stereos enough to really matter. So uh, I, I don't really think paying extra for a high-end audio system makes sense for me. Uh, other people, obviously, you know, your needs will will vary and your priorities will vary. But even even though I'm getting this ridiculous car with lots of ridiculous options, including like the the trunk that opens when you wave your foot under the car, like, <laughs> like crazy options like that, just because they're bundled into the packages. Um, but I'm not getting the crazy stereo for $3,500. That's insane. Just um, think about what you could do with that $3,500 now that you've opted not to do it. You could get yourself a really nice television that you would get much more enjoyment out of than the I wouldn't even spend that on a TV. Stereo. I mean, a good TV is like 1000 bucks. No, a good TV is at least two grand. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess you, you actually know that. <laughs> I mean, like when I bought, I bought, I bought my current TV. It's like a, it's a Panasonic 42-inch plasma. I got it in like 2006 or so, and uh, it was like a thousand bucks back then. And now they're even now you can get them pretty nice for even cheaper. They, they, they don't make 42 inches anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry, my my small TV. <laughs> no, like I mean they do. They make small TVs, but they're terrible. Like when you bought oh, yeah. 42 inch, that was like. Uh, the, the sweet spot of the size now i wish you could get them smaller because you can't even get 50 inches anymore in the top end models the smallest ones are 55 really yeah my That's... tv is a 50 and i got the small one when i bought it but now my you know the successor to my product range yeah the smallest that comes in is 55 oh man yeah anyway so uh so yeah high-end high-end radio stuff i don't really care about uh rear seat entertainment I don't get that option either because I figure, for, you know, right now my kid's too young to use it, but once he's old enough to use it, I figure giving him an iPad uh, is not only cheaper, especially since, I, since I'm accumulating iPads as time goes on as I get each new model for testing and then keep, I'll keep all the old ones. So I have a bunch of extra you know, tablets and, and things like that uh, that, I can, that I can give them instead, and they're probably better. Because they'll they can keep uh, not, up with not the times. probably like this. This is even better than navigation because again they charge you so much money for the stupid little screens and they are right. terrible screens, especially in minivans. Like oh, they yeah. have terrible viewing angles, terrible contrast. You know, yeah. really poor color saturation. They're like the airplane screens. They're worse. They're worse than the airplane really? screens. I was shocked. Like my my brother in law got a brand new uh, Chrysler minivan. And the, the quality of the screens in the back, it like, is not good. You know, you know, the iPads are just so far. Forget about Retina. Forget about anything. Just take the iPad One screen. It's bigger, <laughs> yep. brighter, and better than than these things. And of course, the iPad One was, you know, what five hundred dollars or whatever. It costs you way more than that to get this package with the rear seat entertainment. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't get that either. Um, and there's all sorts of like little add-ons, like the cargo net and stuff like that. Uh, the you know the the roof racks, uh, various like. Any kind of trunk accessory, any kind of uh, bolt-on spoiler that doesn't come with every one of the models, um, anything like that, I, I skip all that stuff. I don't get any of that stuff. Um, Tiff's car actually has the cargo net, and I actually I find it quite annoying um, because it, it's really obnoxious if it's if, if you keep it up there all the time. It's really obnoxious to get things into the trunk because it kind of like snags on everything. Um, but if you don't leave it up all the time, then it's then you'll just never use it. Then it's kind of pointless. Uh, so, I, so I don't recommend that either. So, but uh, kind of along those lines, I think in this, this is not a joke and I am not being sarcastic. My favorite feature of the Subaru might have been the hooks that were in the trunk. And there were two little hooks on either side of the trunk opening where you could hook like grocery bags and things like that, just so they wouldn't fall down and spray their contents everywhere. 
that is the best idea in the world. And I don't understand why no other man. Well, I'm sure there's some other manufacturer that does it, but I've never ever seen another car that has it. And it is fantastic. And it's, it does everything the Carbonet does with none of the penalties. And I wish more, more makes did that. That's a really good idea. Oh, it's brilliant. Like, like they're, they're hooks that are strong enough to hold up a plastic grocery bag by its handles oh, and yeah. not like pull oh, off. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll hook a, a lot of minivans have of stuff things. like that in the, in the rear, like the small rear area. They have things like hooks and cubbies to be able to put things so they don't slosh around. Yeah, it, it's absolutely fantastic. If you want, if you want to see like the, the, the height of packaging, like that's where you look in the minivan market because they are always trying to outdo each other in term in terms of this type of thing, practical mm-hmm. packaging things, cup holders, cubbies for luggage, places for kids to put things, can you know all that stuff. That's that's what they're competing on, you know. Uh, so it's very very interesting to watch that war of war of uh, uh, creative use of space. Also, uh, wagons also are very good about like at least they're you know the the cup holders and stuff are all the same, but the 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 way that the trunk is laid out in a wagon where you have like the the deck lid that can then be taken off or broken down or folded away and tucked away somewhere, and then the floor can open up and like there's also a similar kind of innovation there where you see a lot of very creative use of space and uh, and modularity and options. So yeah, I, what else do I? For op- for the rest of my options discussion, I think that pretty much covered it. So so I guess I'll get to the navigation thing. Um, generally speaking, I don't like add-ons to my car. Like I don't I don't I don't like any kind of aftermarket thing that I have to like suction cup to the windshield or stick in the cup holder or anything or like you know clip onto the vent. I, I really don't like any of those things. So uh, and I, I for a while I would use those things. Like, like when I first got satellite radio back with the Maxima. Um, I would I would stick that on. I mean, even before then, I was bringing around like a a, a discman or an MP3 player um, tucked into like the 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 empty bay below the radio where the optional CD player would have gone, like uh, <laughs> in, in like my old Corollas and stuff like that my family had. Um, so I'd I'd like shove a CD player in there and like wrap felt around it, try to cushion it so it wouldn't skip as much. Uh, you know, like there's. <laughs> Back oh, in, the, the, in the bad old days, uh, at one time I even built a car pewter, which lasted until I went over a speed bump, because I was using desktop components, and they don't really appreciate when the Pentium 2 slot CPU falls out of its slot while it's operating. Um, that does not really go well. So... I've tried lots of different crazy aftermarket things. I mentioned earlier how I hacked my Maxima's Bose radio and drilled an aux in jack into its console. Um, yeah, so after that, you know, basic suction cups of satellite radios and stuff. I I never did the GPS unit thing. I, I've never owned a standalone GPS unit. Um, and sin- and ever since I've gotten uh, smartphones that, that have GPS built in, I've, I've never had a phone clip or mount that, that will mount it in the car. Um, in in the 328, it actually sits very nicely in this little in the little like non cup holder, like the, the kind of tray area between the stick shift and the armrest uh, compartment. Uh, my phone sits very nicely there, and uh, even plugs in via via uh, Lightning, which is nice. So uh, anyway, for navigation, the reason and, and my 328 doesn't have it. The 1M does, and Tiff's car does, and my next car will have it. So I've I've not had it in my main car for for ever. I've never I've never had it in my main car, and I really do miss it. And uh, like when we've taken Tiff's car on a few trips, uh, which for most purposes I wouldn't recommend taking a Lexus IS on trips because it's just so damn small. But um, 
it really is uh, having navigation built in is really nice for lots of reasons. First of all, usually the screens are significantly larger and and nicer and easier to see in the sun. Um, they're they're usually shaded better by the shape of the dash. They're you know, they they don't have um, you know they don't have to worry about battery life, so they can they can afford to be really big and bright. Um, so that's all very nice. Uh, they also use external antennas by definition. You know, there's there's always a GPS antenna you like on the roof of the car or something. Um, so you get faster responses, you get more accurate tracking uh, than than you than you do with many of the units and certainly most smartphones. So it's it, it overall just works better in a lot of ways. Now, certainly the interfaces can be pretty terrible on a lot of them. I've I've certainly seen a lot of a lot of bad ones, and I've complained about TIFFs before. Um, I do think that BMWs is nice. That won't come as a surprise to anybody who listens to this show that I think that. Uh, and and Casey, you know, you, you actually use it more than I do, and and you've spoken well about it. So, you know, I, I think it can be done well. It isn't always, of course, but it can be done well, and it can certainly be done well enough um, to make it worth using because of all of its other benefits, like being integrated. Um, so, all of those things, I really do like integrated nav systems, and and I'm looking forward to this summer when I will then start always having one um, because I haven't had one full time before. Um, in my 328, I've used the iPhone with with iOS 6. I've used that to navigate a few times, and uh, it's nice. But like one thing too is like if you don't mount the phone up on the dash somewhere, you got to keep looking down at it or picking it up to look at where you're going. And and um, I assume this is better with Android because they've been doing to turn turn by turn directions for longer. Um, but with iOS 6, uh, the turn by turn directions really kind of assume that you can see the screen, um, and and they'll do things like. If you have like a quick left turn followed by a quick right turn, like as part of some weird intersection, the, they like won't tell you about one of those turns. They'll be like, "Oh, turn left ahead," <laughs> and, then, and, the, and okay, you know, fine, I'm I'm turning left. Like they they assume that you can see on the map how they're illustrating the path you should take. But if you're just leaving the phone tucked away somewhere in the armrest or in a cup holder somewhere, and you aren't looking at it all the time, um, it does a pretty bad job of that. And obviously, they could fix that. They could improve that. I hope they do. Uh, but you know, like I like. When it's built in, usually not not only is it better because they've been doing it for longer, but uh, you are you can see the path that it's meaning for you to take without taking your eyes too far off the road. And then, like in the current BMWs, and and I think Audi and Mercedes both do this now too. They have the heads up displays, which are awesome, uh, and and they they project onto the windshield uh, so that it kind of appears as though it's like six feet in front of the car, perspective wise. Um, they project your vital information, your speed, your gear in one of the M cars, and the uh, next turn information for the navigation screen. So you can always see, without even looking down, because it's being projected you know, to look like it's in front of you, you can see like the little right turn arrow and the street name and how far away it is. And that is so incredibly cool and so nice. And that's something that an aftermarket system is probably never really going to be able to do. Uh, so... For you know the the built-in systems just have the capability to be so much better than anything that you're going to add on later, and certainly they are often very expensive. But what's happening now is they're becoming so much more common, and they're moving down market so much that the prices of them are going down in a lot of cars. Especially like I mean, some cars where, as you said, John, some cars you don't even have the option to not get it anymore. Um, like I think in I think in the whole five series. I think now you, you always get it. In the 3 Series, you always get the screen now, but I think the navigation is still optional on the lower-end models. 
but uh, certainly the whole five series, I think they all come with navigation. Um, and, and as it moves down market, we're going to see more of that. We're going to see navigation becoming more standard and less of a premium. You know, when navigation systems first came out, they were like four grand. And now, you know, then, then they went down to like the two grand range. You know, we're seeing that price fall. So it's only going to fall further in all likelihood. Uh, you know, as, cause like w- one of the big things is like, if your car doesn't have a, a like media computer and a big screen built in already, then it's a big cost to add those. But the market is demanding those things so much for media and for other things now that, like like the three series now, the new three series, a lot of cars are having. So they all come with screens, and once you put in that big, nice LCD screen that can show anything and, and has some kind of embedded computer OS behind it, once you put that in, adding GPS to that is is a, a lot less of a jump in cost and complexity than it was before when the whole screen was optional and the controller and everything. So. I, I do think that the, the price difference for it is is uh, going to decrease down, and in many ways already has, to the point where it's not really that crazy of an option to get price-wise anymore, especially if you're if you're already buying a higher-end car to begin with. Um, so yeah, overall, I just I love having everything be integrated, be built in, be stock, uh, so that I don't have to like add crazy things on. That all makes sense to me, but I have a feeling that John, you have some. Well, I mean, everyone wa- everyone wants it to be built in. Nobody likes having suction clips. Nobody likes having this clip on things. That's what makes the built in one so infuriating. This is mostly on you know the the average cars. Maybe in the high end cars, it's better. But like in so many cases where navigation will come with a you know a regular car where you get the navigation option, it is so awful. The the frame rate is so bad. The directions on telling you to turn are so bad. The maps are old and out of date, and it's difficult or impossible to get updates for them. Or it's reading from like a hard drive or a bunch of DVDs in the trunk. Like this is the state of uh, of the art of navigation in in regular cars at the time when you could buy you know independent GPS units for a couple hundred bucks that just trounce them entirely. Uh, and then even better now, like it comes in everyone's phones. You don't even have to buy a dedicated thing for it. And the software will be updated and the maps will be updated. Uh, and the the things about getting a signal and stuff, I haven't had any issues with that, doing like navigating from iPhones and iPads uh, in cars and everything. That, but, you know, you're right that like the built-in one should be better because, hey, you can build it into the car. You can tuck it into a little thing so it's not in the sun. You can, you can do heads-up display, but if they can't do the software right, and they can't even outsource it to anyone, it's good. What ends up happening is like, okay, yeah, my car has built-in GPS, but I'm going to suction cup my iPhone onto the, the built-in <laughs> GPS screen because it's so freaking useless. And yeah, the iPhone screen is smaller, and I'm trying to take advantage of the little hood by shoving the iPhone where the navigation was. Uh, you know, and I have to make sure the battery is charged, and it's a pain, and I got these wires hanging down. But it's still better when I'm actually driving because it has, you know, a higher frame rate, updates my position better, does better dead reckoning when it loses the signal. All these things, you know, because basically the state of the art of navigation software, both in the independent navigation units, which are slowly dying, and now in smartphones, is just advancing by leaps and bounds, and whatever navigation you got in your car is just stuck the way it was, you know? That's slightly true. So I, I actually agree with um, pretty much everything you said. But one thing that was interesting about bringing my car in recently was, and I think I might have mentioned this uh, offhandedly a couple shows ago, uh, I had the car in because the comfort access that I was just uh, singing its praises, the, the proximity key, uh, wasn't working for crap. And so I had the car in and they reflashed my computer and it didn't actually affect the navigation. But one thing it did give me was the ability for 
the they added a new Bluetooth Bluetooth profile a Bluetooth profile so that um, the iPhone will beam text messages to the iDrive. And I bring that up only because a I think it's cool, and b to, there are ways in which you can improve the car. I mean, we, I think we all spoke about this a few episodes back, but I agree with you that changing navigation maps and the likelihood likelihood of getting new navigation software is almost zero. And every dealer I've ever or anyone I've ever spoken to has had similar cars say that the dealers hate doing a reflash. And I don't know if it's because it's expensive or what, but they hate doing it, and that's really kind of unfortunate. It's it's uh-huh. like buying like getting getting a Honda Accord like I was looking at the options or a Camry or something like that and getting the navigation option it's like buying an Android phone you basically know, you might as well just assume you're never going to get a software update right you know exactly. like the, na- <laughs> the navigation is never going to get any better so whatever the navigation yeah, system right. is in that Accord if it's already not as good as what's on your phone if it's already not as good as what's on your three year old standalone GPS unit just think of how awful you'll feel about that five years later when like you know, the iPhone 17 or, you know, an amazing new iPad or something, or you just, even if you're just using an old, you take an old iPad and mini or something and dedicate it to your car once it cycles out of common use, like, it's, you're never going to get any better. And they're so, they're starting off as a ditch advantage. I think maybe up in the BMW and Mercedes range, uh, their navigation systems maybe are starting off at not as much of a deficit, but you should go to uh, go to like a Honda deal, Marco, and t- try to use the touch screens and navigation inside one of the Accords, and you will. You, it's like going back to the seventies. You yeah. think like is this thing running on vacuum <laughs> tubes? Well, I will say also like BMW, they just made their system. I think in I think one model year ago, maybe even maybe even for this current model year, they just made it now able to update over the air. Uh, so like you know, just to give you an idea of like where they are, like they're still obviously as you said, they're still very far behind like good standards for the computer industry of of software maintenance and updates and everything like that. And and I, I do think you're right that it is a lot like Android phones where like they just have no incentive really to keep people with older cars updated with their software and so most of them just don't do it. And uh and so you shouldn't expect any updates ever. And I, that 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 obviously I, I I agree with. Um but I still like it's still so nice to have that I would, I would, I would rather like, you know, assuming I wasn't leasing and, and that I was keeping these cars for like eight years, uh, I would rather buy a car, love the navigation system for the first three or four years, and then switch to the iPhone 17 after that and just ignore the built-in one forever after that. Like, I, I would still, I would still buy it just to have those first few years of it being good and up to date, because that, like, that's how much I like the built-in navigation systems. We'll see if I end up getting it. I have to, I have to look at what option package the navigation <laughs> is tied to. I, I could end up getting it in my next car just because I want some other thing that's attached to. But I'm. You know, what you, you should know, do I, take all the Squarespace money that we're getting from this show and buy the highest end trim level you can for your next car, just to have fodder to talk about on the show. No, nah, because that comes with the V6. I don't want that. It's too, too fuel thirsty. <laughs> oh, John, it's come gotta, on! Got to be the four cylinder. So but save Dad. on fuel. <laughs> and, I mean, the four cylinder is like it's lighter weight. It's peppy. It's not. Yeah. I mean, it's not a performance car anyway. It, it, it's you know, it's got variable valve timing. Uh, <laughs> but no, the, I'm going to end up getting the Accord Sport if I end up getting an Accord, and that sport, the Sport trim level, I believe, doesn't even come with the V6 Plus. I also think the V6 doesn't come with the stick. I have to look at the trim options. Again, it doesn't. But, you're right. Yeah. So oh, I mean, that's, that's, that's not, not going to happen. Yeah. So, no, I mean, uh, from what, from what you said about the 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 uh, new Sport. It actually looks pretty good. Like, you know, for, for that kind of car, it looks like a really great deal. And it, it comes like with really... nice looking wheels, you know, a <laughs> yep. spoiler in the back. Everyone loves a spoiler.
That's awesome. Oh, man. I mean, if you want to do something brief, we can. I don't have anything in particular that I've been meaning to, to ask you about. Although I am a little pissed off we didn't talk about the LaFerrari on neutral. Yeah, I no, I, forgot. I, I, that, put that, write that down for next week. The Geneva, yeah, everyone asked about the Geneva Auto Show, and I, you know, I, I, I probably only want to talk about the supercars or whatever, but this that's that's probably oh, a show that's worth the topics. Follow up with the 3 Series GT. Ugh, yeah. Oh yeah, some a few people come out of the woodwork saying they like it. I don't know who these people are. What the so, fuck is that about? <laughs> uh, certainly, I was concerned, and, and oh, yeah, and at Geneva, it's getting a lot of attention, and people do seem to be liking it a lot. Is that, especially people who see it in person seem to be really liking it a lot. Um, it's getting great compliments for its uh, for its rear seat capacity, especially. But um, I, I did some spec comparisons the other day because you know I certainly I also have the fear that it might look too SUV like. Uh, in person, the same way that the, the giant Honda Cross Tour thing looks, and I really don't like that big Honda Cross Tour. And uh, so I did. I, I looked up the the specs because they're now all published, and the Cross Tour is like ten inches longer, so it's it's a significantly longer car. It's also like seven inches taller, and that's a big that's a major uh, difference there. So I, I think so. Like the the regular three twenty eight. The the three GT is like three inches taller than it, and like eight inches long or something like that. But it's ugly. It's ugly. I, it, it is pretty. It is pretty rough. It's not as rough as like the Cross Tour, but it's pretty rough. Now I actually, I think as far uh, as like for 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 any car that has more room or more capacity than a sedan, in that category, I think it looks very good compared to most of the options. I think that the old 3 Series wagon looks so much better than that GT. See, I'm just not a wagon person. I, I, if you are a wagon person, then I agree that these are, that, you know, the other, the old wagon. I, I just are think quite it's, good. it's a more, it's a more honest and pure form of this, this uh, change to a sedan. You know what I mean? Like, instead of, like, they, because it's, I look at the GT and I'm like, why are you even trying to slope the back down to try to fool me into thinking it's not a wagon? All you're doing is making a really crappy wagon. Just make it an honest, straight back roof line like the 3 Series wagon or like oh, the million wagons before it. Because then, you know, like I, that compromise in interior space is not worth the stylistic compromise of making a snail-butted thing. Well, but it actually, it's not, I don't think it's actually overall less space because they, it's, it's actually longer than the wagon and, and, uh, well, Especially I mean, take, like like take, the trunk platform, like the trunk area itself is longer. Um, well, just take that GT and so just straighten shape. the roof line. You know, just straighten the roof line. That GT, like you can make a wagon longer too. I'm just you saying, could, like it's yeah. not it's it's a compromise in interior packaging for no gain, and I think a loss in exterior appeal as as far as I'm concerned. But I I may be in the minority because well, I see people driving these hideous SUVs <laughs> all the time, and I don't know how they so do true. it. And like, what is that? What is that BMW thing? This, the X6. Yeah, the X. The like, sack. You buy that. I don't know what. So obviously, my I taste is not shared by most people. People well, buy Subaru and, Foresters for crying out loud. Oh my uh, God! Talk about. Oh yeah. Off, John. The fo- no, the Forester is butt ugly. Like the, the Forester is. Right. It's so tall and darky looking, and oh, it's not an SUV, and it's not a wagon, and it's it's just terrible. Well, somebody had. Uh, tweeted at Neutral Show, which I had seen, and I had asked this per. He had said, uh, after listening to Neutral Show, I'm now aware of the existence of the BMW 3, 3 Series GT. It might be everything I ever dreamed of in a car. And I asked him, I said, well, honest question, in what ways? And I, re- I pasted his reply in the chat, but he said, I really want a luxury hatch. Others are too compromised, A3, too big, high, ugly, A7, X6, etc. The 3 GT looks like it hits the mark. 
Yeah, and and and, like, and Tiff is really excited about it too. Like she she's looking at the, all the pictures showing like, she, and she actually really wants to go see one in person somehow. Like you know, whenever that whenever that becomes I mean, possible. The, a yeah. great a great example is the you know the Lexus's best selling car for the past ten years, which is you know the, the car that Tiff's parents have. Yeah, the RX three, oh, whatever. Yeah. And why why like that is that is so against everything that I feel that a car should be. Oh you yeah, know, well, I, and it's I, not I a very wreck. spacious car. Right, it's, it's like, like a tall it, Civic. It's, it's interior compromised, exterior, like, it's just, it's like, look, either get a sedan or get, like, a big truck. It's like, well, we can make something that looks truck-like on the outside, but it has the interior space of a car, and people will buy it like crazy, because it's, like, it's high up, and yeah. you feel like you're in it. And so, obviously, I'm not in line with with mainstream <laughs> taste, so it could be that the GT is a massive hit, but I don't like it. I think they're going to sell it a load of them. I don't, we'll, we'll see. I mean, BMW drivers, I think, are a different breed than the people who are buying that Lexus. I don't. I don't know. You'd be surprised (laughs) when you go to a dealer. You see a lot of those people. (laughs) It's a lot of the same people. Wait. So, can we play this back? We decided that we're going to do an accidental tech podcast, and celebrated that by doing an accidental car podcast. Because you mentioned LaFerrari, and I think we should. I just want to make sure we're on the same page here. Accidental neutral tech <laughs> neutral pod. Holy God, this is not good. Oh yeah. man, this is great. No, this this well, oh, no, this man, is us. Funny. Right? Like it, actually, you're right. This you're, is it, us. It, it is us. 